Hate lawyers, incorporate resiliency into your next project to reduce your chances of climate change-related litigation. Written by Jessica Mendelson and Monica Serrano. Narrated by Gail Crew. Cornet Global's The Source magazine, August 2022. The year 2021 is the year that the natural world showed us that it doesn't care about politics, the Kardashians, or even Giannis ending the Milwaukee Bucks' half-century-long dry spell. Whether it was a crisis none of us even knew about three years ago, or a crisis decades in the making, people everywhere have suffered as a result. Tornadoes in December, flooding in Tennessee and New York, extreme heat in the Northwest, a deep freeze in Texas, wildfires in California, Last year's stories of climate chaos and the human death and destruction that followed have been relentless. The overall toll of weather and climate disasters in recent years, coupled with dire projections about extreme weather events to come, highlight the urgent need to build resilience into our nation's infrastructure and buildings. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, estimates that Americans experienced 20 separate billion-dollar weather and climate disasters in 2021 at a cost of $145 billion. While it is not simple to attribute specific weather events to climate change, an emerging field known as attribution science focuses on doing just that. The American Meteorological Society, AMS, publishes an annual review of extreme events and their connection to climate change, and it has found that many extreme events have been affected by climate change. The overall damage caused by climate-related disasters is becoming more obvious every year. The UN estimates that climate-related disasters between 2000 and 2019 led to 1.23 million lives being lost and $2.97 trillion in economic losses to the global economy. Although climate change poses several threats, rising water levels is the most pressing facing many communities today. Global temperatures rise as a response to the increase of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Global average temperatures have risen almost 2 degrees Fahrenheit since 1880. 2 degrees is a big change. Consider the fact that 1 degree is the difference between water being a liquid or a solid. Water excels at absorbing heat. In fact, most of the heat caused by rising global temperatures is trapped in our oceans. Warm water takes up more space, and as a consequence, sea levels rise. Higher sea levels bring more storm surge, higher risks of flooding, saltwater intrusion, and other destructive consequences. Meanwhile, as our atmosphere warms, it can hold more moisture, meaning more rain during a rainstorm. Combine these more intense rainfalls with the non-permeable surfaces that characterize modern towns and cities, roads, parking lots, etc., and we see increased flooding. The most damaging culprit. Rising sea levels have received much of the focus in climate change discussions and what this means for our future. While global sea level is estimated to have risen 6.7 inches in the 20th century, regional sea level rise can be more or less than that depending on several factors. In certain parts of the Northeast, for example, sea levels have already risen up 16 inches in the past century, with that rise expected to continue. Higher sea levels magnify the impacts of storm surge, high tides, coastal erosion, and wetland loss. In other words, water is invading and will continue to invade coastal areas, threatening farmlands, housing, and recreation areas, infrastructure, ecosystems, and our financial and social well-being. Not only can rising sea levels cause damage to buildings, but it also puts major stress on our water and wastewater systems. 
An unpleasant example of this is seen during high tides around Miami Beach, where water samples have surpassed EPA standard for acceptable contamination by 1,000 times over, meaning there's too much excrement in the water. Inland areas are not immune, however, from the risks of water damage related to climate change. The third National Climate Assessment reported that rainfall events have become heavier and more frequent, with the amount of rain falling on the heaviest rain days increasing over the past few decades, with an increase in flooding in the same areas. These increases in heavy rainfalls have been the greatest in the Northeast, Midwest and Upper Great Plains, with an increase in flooding in those same areas. In 2021, we saw the unfortunate new reality as heavy rainfalls first devastated Tennessee, where flooding killed 28 people, more than any other year on record. Hurricane Ida, which made landfall in Louisiana in September and made its way to New York City as a post-tropical cyclone, was the second most damaging and intense hurricane to make landfall in the U.S., causing at least $65 billion in damage and 115 deaths, spawning tornadoes as it moved north and shutting down much of the New York City subway and nearby public transit systems. In addition to the tragedy of lost lives, inland flooding is also estimated to be the most costly of severe weather events, with an annual average price tag of $6.9 billion per year. Most modern building codes are not equipped to handle climate change's consequences. In addition, most building codes set the minimum requirements and are updated infrequently. Finally, such codes are generally based on historical climate data instead of reflecting future climate conditions. There are some recent efforts, however, to enhance building codes and building practices to increase their resilience against climate change. New York City, for example, has issued the fourth version of an NYC Climate Resiliency Design Guidelines which incorporate future climate data may become a requirement for city-owned buildings in the future. In addition, the Boston Planning and Development Agency created the Coastal Flood Resilience Design Guidelines with the Climate Ready Boston Goals in mind, incorporating future climate data. Buildings and the future of weather. These are far from the only cities creating guidelines for buildings to incorporate resilience against flooding into building design, but most are still only guidance, not actual requirements. Suzanne Roche, Vice President of Clean and Resilient Buildings at the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, said, The buildings and infrastructure we build today should last as long as possible. To do that, we must use future climate information in our designs and engineering, not just historical weather data. Likewise, FEMA flood maps, which are commonly used to define the flood risk of a property, are based on historical flooding data and may not be reliable going forward. Relying on flood maps is a terrible idea, states the founder and faculty director of the Sabine Center for Climate Change Law, Professor Michael B. Girard. As he explains in a 2020 article, FEMA flood maps can be seriously out of date. They also reflect only historical conditions, not future flooding as a result of sea level rise and extreme precipitation. Such flood maps ignore the importance of evaluating and disclosing future flood risks. These failures not only increase the risk of damage to lives and buildings, but may also impact buildings' values. Professor Gerard notes in his article that a 2020 study concluded that homes vulnerable to flooding are currently overvalued by $34 billion, impacting the future stability of real estate markets. Until there are binding government requirements, it is up to project owners and developers to understand both the potential threats of climate change as well as the financial risks their projects face due to climate change. Planning with future climate estimates in mind, not just historical climate data, and incorporating resilience above and beyond what building codes require will be crucial. 
During the design phase, the expected lifetime of a structure should be determined at least 50 years, but 100 years is a more reasonable approach. Then local sea level rise projections need to be taken into account, suggests Dr. Klaus Jacob, a geophysicist and emeritus research professor at Columbia's University's Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory, who has spent decades advising government, NGOs, and private sector stakeholders on climate change adaptation. For example, Dr. Jacob recommends that builders evaluate all critical equipment and locate all water-sensitive materials on the top of the building. The risks developers and contractors face from climate change are not just limited to potential damage to and lost value in their developments. Extreme weather, and in particular rising sea levels and increasing rainfall and flooding, can also increase the likelihood of construction-related litigation. There are currently over 1,000 climate change-related lawsuits around the world, according to the tracking team at the Columbia Law School Sabine Center. To date, most litigation related to climate change has been focused on state and federal statutory issues, environmental assessments, constitutional claims, and a sprinkling of other cases such as an SEC claim. While there is no documentation yet on construction litigation related to climate change, the impact of climate change on construction disputes, both now and in the future, is impossible to ignore. When things go wrong Construction defect disputes involving alleged defects in the design or installation of a construction project are at the heart of many construction lawsuits. In addition to direct lawsuits over problems with the end result of a construction effort, challenges during the course of construction leading to delay charges and displeasure with the ultimate result of the construction resulting in non-payment issues can come from problems with the design and or installation of the construction project. For example, if a contractor has the rebar cages set in the foundation trench ready for the concrete pour, but then a large storm floods the trench, the contractor faces either serious delays in having to redo the foundation preparations or proceed with a trench bottom that is not properly cleaned or recompacted. Either option can result in construction litigation claims. A recent global study of construction found that the value of construction disputes in North America doubled from 2019 to 2020, jumping from $18.8 million to $37.9 $9 million. The study found the leading cause of disputes remained the same in 2020 as in 2019, a failure by the parties to the construction relationship, owner, contractor, subcontractor, etc., to understand and or comply with their contractual obligations. A specific challenge that arose in 2020 was that not all construction contracts clearly addressed whether a pandemic would be considered a force majeure event, with owners taking the position that it was such an event and some contractors taking the position that continued performance in the face of the pandemic was an owner-directed change. Smaller disputes over which party bears the burden of responsibility for problems and damages related to extreme weather are likely to occur as excessive rainfall and rising sea levels become more urgent and more prevalent. For example, flooding and heavy downpours can cause delay in the construction process for which the contractor may be held responsible. Higher groundwater levels than anticipated could also impact not just the timing of construction, but also the installation process and products used in the construction process. Indeed, Professor Gerard notes that he has been waiting to see more litigation against both architects and developers as climate change-related litigation increases. There is no clear industry standard yet on which parties should bear the risk of an extreme weather event during construction, nor are there yet industry standards that would impose obligations on architects or engineers to build resilience into projects in anticipation of future weather events, not just past weather events. Industry organizations, however, are beginning to recognize the need to address future risks in construction, and that the best time to address such risks is before a project has begun. 
For example, the American Institute of Architects has developed the Hazard and Climate Risk Acknowledgement Form, which in the AIA's words is intended to support the architect and client to reach and document a mutual understanding of hazard and climate risk that will inform project requirements. Mitigating extreme risks. Construction litigation can be time-consuming and usually requires extensive expert witness involvement, both of which can be costly. Parties to such litigation often look to their insurers for coverage, both to cover the cost of legal fees and to pay any potential damages. Depending on the specific dispute and the applicable state laws, however, insurers often contest their responsibility to provide a defense or coverage, arguing that the relevant insurance policy excludes the issue in litigation. For example, in construction defect litigation, insurers will frequently argue that they do not need to provide insurance for their insureds, the contractors, subcontractors, or material suppliers, because of the your work exception included in the insurance policy, meaning that any potential negligence in the design, engineering, or installation of a project may not be covered by the negligent party's insurance. Now, on top of the usual disputes over insurance coverage for construction cases comes the challenge of what coverage, if any, will be provided for construction issues related to climate change and extreme weather. A survey done by the Deloitte Center for Financial Services found that more than half of U.S. state insurance regulators surveyed believed that climate change is likely to have a high, or extremely high, impact on both the scope of what insurance coverage will be provided as well as the related underwriting assumptions. Aware of the risk, insurance companies are preparing for the potential financial ramifications of climate change and, as part of that, are focusing on their clients' potential liability for negligence related to climate change issues. This new focus means incorporating climate risk considerations into underwriting for their clients, demanding that clients incorporate risk mitigation efforts into their projects. Beyond that, Professor Gerard has already seen the insurance industry pull out of certain markets, as he points out that the insurance industry specializes in making risk assessment, and as a result, they are more acutely aware of climate change-associated risk than other industries. As insurance becomes more difficult and costly to obtain, developers should begin addressing climate change at the beginning of their projects by incorporating resilience into the design and construction of their buildings. Louis Gritzo, Vice President and Manager of Research at FM Global, a commercial insurer, noted in a recent article that developers may be hesitant about adding costs to a project to address climate risks that may not be easy to determine. But he points out that there is enough known now about some of the major trends caused by climate risk, including flood, rising sea level and increased rainfall rates, to do so now. Builders and developers therefore need to be aware that they must address these trends in their projects, as Texas businesses did when they invested in measures to keep water out of sensitive equipment prior to Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Keeping resiliency in mind allowed those businesses to avoid the fate that many Houston companies had during Tropical Storm Allison in 2001, which dumped over 40 inches of rain on Houston. At the time, sensitive materials and electrical equipment were kept in basements, with the rain and flooding resulting in serious damage. Resilience as standard practice. Scientists and insurance companies agree, climate change poses a significant threat, not just to human health and safety, but to our buildings and infrastructure as well. The most recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC report, Climate Change 2020, Impacts, Adaptation and Vulnerability, demonstrates the compounding effects from climate change that are threatening our communities. 
The report notes that while large cities are hotspots for climate impacts, they also offer a real opportunity to avoid the worst impacts of warming. In order to capitalize on this opportunity, however, we must proactively design enough resilience into building projects to address the future weather events the building and its occupants will have to withstand. The amount of resilience will depend on where the building is, what the use of the building is, and the amount of risk the building owner and occupants can sleep with. Looking at future climate estimates and not just historical climate data is essential. There are companies whose business models focus on just that, including Jupiter Intelligence, Coastal Risk Solutions, XDI, and Moody's ESG Solutions, formerly known as the 427 Inc. There is also free future data estimates available on specific hazards from NOAA, Climate Central, several local and regional organizations. Guidelines like the AIA's Hazard and Climate Risk a User's Guide can also help identify potential risks and which parties to the construction project bear the risks of problems caused by climate change. Evaluating and addressing financial risks associated with climate change is not just about doing the right thing for the planet and society. It's also about avoiding litigation, protecting your reputation and the bottom line. With all the available data and resources today, paying no attention to climate change and resiliency during the design phase is tantamount to asking for a lawsuit. About the authors. Jessica Madison is managing partner at the Madison office of Hanson Reynolds LLC. Monica Serrano is the resiliency program manager at Turner Construction.